Hello, everybody. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Turning it up. You really belted that. Hello, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello. Yeah. It's exciting, it's exciting, and we'll get into it, but first I gotta get through my routine. Uh, yes. Hello. Can't interrupt Charles's schedule. No, can't interrupt the schedule. Welcome, everybody, to the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, mm-hmm. and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan. But before we get into it, I am just very excited to share some news in the fantasy world today. Everyone's talking about Spiffbo7 and our very own... They're talking about... I'm happy to announce we have breaking news, which won't (laughs) be breaking by the time you're here. This will be a day old... But uh, we can publicly announce that FTF's very own Dylan is going to be a judge in Spiffbo 7. That's you. Yes, that is me. Thank you, Charles. Yeah, so Spiffbo, that's a self-published fantasy blog off that's hosted by a friend of the show, Mark Lawrence, mm-hmm. who you probably know for his international best-selling works like Prince of Thorns from the Broken Empire trilogy and all that. Uh, you probably also know about Spiffbo from people like Levi Jacobs, who's a finalist That's on right. Spiffbo, oh, who came on our show. And I'll be helping out as a part of hashtag Team Beth Ooh. fire emoji, which is in my bio now. And that's before we go blog. And I'm excited. I mean, I'm probably among the few if any other judges in spiffbo who have yet to actually write a review (laughs) but (laughs) i yeah i'm just super honored and grateful that uh, beth was willing to have me along for this and yeah it's such a cool opportunity to contribute to the community and i i'm just super excited so thank you charles congratulations very exciting we're all proud of you here in the friends talking uh, oh. fantasy family and yeah looking forward to talking indie authors as we approach Spishbo 7 yes. next year we're gonna have a whole lot mm-hmm. of cutting edge fantasy for you guys as uh, as dylan judges away and whatever his responsibilities are at Spiffbo. i don't i don't know <laughs> I don't, how it works <laughs> i yeah i guess i have a reaction to the term judging away but i guess that's <laughs> what i'll be doing as a judge or whatever but yeah i'll We'll figure out the best way to to keep everyone in the loop podcast style here at FTF. But I, I'm just super excited and, and honored, of course. It's going to be so much fun and so many amazing people on our team, on all these other teams. It's, yeah, it's so and much I'm, fun. I'll be looking forward so, to learning more about yeah. the process as well. It, it's it's funny to think that this show isn't even a year old yet. And you somehow found Ooh. your way into Spiffbo. And I think we have to thank Beth Tabler for that. <laughs> Thank you very much yes, for, sure. for your support. We greatly appreciate it, Beth Tabler. And uh, yeah, that's the that's Spiffbo 7. Looking forward to that coming up. Uh, yes. Yeah. But so. we have uh, something else to talk about today here, Charles. We've yeah. got 
some awesome quotes that we're going to go over from the incredible A Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula K. Le Guin, one of our favorite fantasy authors out. Well, one of our favorite fantasy authors. We had such an incredible time buddy reading this book. Mm -hmm. Uh, How long ago was that, Charles? Like, it feels like a long time ago but it was only a few books ago (laughs) yeah it wasn't that Um, a month two months tops yeah so we only got the chance so far to read that first book in this series so that's a wizard of Earthsea. you can expect that we're going to be having a no holds barred conversation about uh, that novel so if you haven't yet read that and you don't want to have anything spoiled for you, then now's a good time to turn this down in your headphones before we get into the just chock full of wisdom chock quotes full. that Ursula K. Le Guin provides just so consistently throughout A Wizard of Earthsea. I don't think I've ever highlighted more <laughs> per page or whatever. I was just about to make is, that right? point. I have just as many highlights as I do for books that are 10 times as long as <laughs> yeah. this. So it's like the number of highlights per word count in this it yeah. is incredibly high, if not the highest, like uh, if not the highest of anything that we've read so far here on the show. My Kindle is full of quotes that Ged said and other prose yes. as well from Ooh, from uh, that's the a Charles original yeah. title. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did quote quotes and we now did. we're doing Ged said, which <laughs> keeping and I'll the say theme we saw alive. A lot of things. Yeah, we saw a lot of ways in which it. It, though we don't know for sure, it seemed like Wizard of Earthsea might have influenced Patrick Rothfuss and the King Killer Croc. A lot of similar themes and things mm-hmm. like that. And another thing that they share is some of the most incredible prose in the genre, in my opinion. Right. And I, I think that's an opinion shared by a lot of people, probably including you there, Charles. Yeah, I would agree. And you know what, Dylan? I'm just as I was excited to get into Proth. Uh, Rothfuss prose. I want to yes. get into Le Guin prose right now. Do you? Let's do Would it. you do us the honor, Mister Spitbo Judge, and present <laughs> the first quote to uh, uh, to the show here? <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't know if Charles, you have any desire to go chronological, or I'm just going to jump around, and I think it'd be fun to just kind of sure. go rapid fire, react to the quotes. I mean. I think you said before we recorded this uh, that the most interesting things we will say will be the things that Ursula K. Le Guin wrote, not the, <laughs> not our reactions margin. to it, probably. So, okay, so let me drop a quick one on you, which just to me goes with her incredible ability to say things concisely that are ridiculously deep. And one thing that she says in here is... To hear, one must be silent. And it's Mm. such a, it's just so beautiful. And it's such a, it's one of those simple wisdoms that I think Ursula K. Le Guin drops constantly, where it's like, yeah, of of course, like if you're talking, you can't really hear someone, but it's just one of these beautiful, to hear, one must be be silent and I'll, I'll be silent so i can hear you here Charles. yeah you know if you had said who wrote this patrick rothfuss or ursula k Le Guin, i'd be like i on who could tell their voice is so similar but this is just like you said chock full of wisdom it's this is a story about a 
in part about a boy learning to become a man, about a boy learning to accept yes. responsibility uh, in the world. And these are lessons that everyone in their youth has to learn, right? You get so excited, you start talking, you're feeling, you know, you're ready to go out and do things and you have all this energy, but you know, you need to stop, you need to learn, you need to uh, listen, listen, experience the world, take it in. It's not just all about you projecting outwards. It's also about the things around you. And it's such a it. wise point of wisdom explained so eloquently by Ursula K. Le Guin. That's a great quote. Yeah, I love that one. All right, Charles, you got one to lay on I, us? I sure do. This one takes place towards the beginning of the book. This is when okay. Sparrowhawk's village was being attacked while he was still a boy mm. and hadn't really done any magic yep. yet. He looked down at his thin arms, wet with cold fog dew, and raged at his weakness, for he knew his strength. There was power in him if he knew how to use it, and he sought among all the spells he knew for some device that might give him and his companions an advantage or at least a chance. But need alone is not enough to set power yes. free. There must be knowledge. Yes. So amazing. <laughs> that was actually one I was considering to drop next, so I'm so happy that you picked that one. Yeah. Need alone is not enough to set power free. There must be knowledge. And power is something that is explored with so much depth in this book. I I think that when it was first recommended to us by a wonderful f- a friend of the show and listener at Wise Fool, who's been <laughs> paying attention to us since the way beginning here, uh, he said it completely changed the way that he thinks about power. And it's been changing the way that I think about power too, hearing Ursula K. Le Guin's perspective on it. And it reminds me, Charles, of a quote that I was thinking about reading soon, uh, which is from the Ged's early perspective here, which is, what was the good of having power if you were too wise to use it? And that's kind of the flip side of the coin here of how Ged, as a young, naive person with tons of capability, is looking at a mentor who doesn't want to use that power to change things and is like not understanding the role of knowledge, like in that previous quote, in the setting of power free like you got to know what you're doing with it and there's all sorts of other things that explore this that's very well said this this theme of power is definitely twisted on its head because it's like oh the idea of power you can do whatever you want but what ursula Le Guin is saying throughout this book is like the more we learn about power the more we realize it's our responsibility to be sensitive to the ways that we use it and to be respectful in the ways that we use it and to maintain a balance in our lives just to be powerful and exert power constantly it's not the balance in life that that you need to to be happy or to uh, support the world around you. And that's kind of what this quote is getting at. He's realizing at this point that he has all of the intent in the world, but he doesn't yeah. have the knowledge or the strength to do anything. And that's what c- inspires his 
like thirst for knowledge is his desire mm. to become more powerful and then as he goes out and learns more knowledge he gets himself into some trouble and he eventually as he becomes a man and learns his lesson and he he embraces the flaws in himself and and that's really what power is right so that mm. is a, a really beautiful metaphor or, or theme in, in ursula's story here for sure. And it's so interesting the way you're talking about now, Charles, has me thinking about the difference between knowledge, which was mentioned in your quote, and wisdom, which was mentioned in, in my quote there, which is uh, Ged seeking knowledge, which is kind of just knowing things and knowing facts and knowing spells, and that's knowledge. But wisdom is that next step of now that you have acquired this knowledge and potentially this power what actually is reasonable to do with it given your place in the world and and the world around you and i think that it's it's such a key central theme to ursula k le guin's story here like you were getting at charles that knowledge in itself gives you the opportunity to use power but you want to have that wisdom of knowing when is the right time, if ever, to actually implement change on the world? Yeah, that's so well said. And it reminds me of just like a quick quote I have here when at mm-hmm. the level where when Ged and Ogion are together, Ogion's kind yes. of teaching what he can Love to Ged. And he mentor. says, uh, mastery is nine times patience. <laughs> which is like just a simple yeah. this idea it comes with like power is like knowledge right it's it's mastery and patience so you're learning both how to be powerful and also how to use restraint and to exert knowledge uh in a responsible way with your power that's kind of what that's what ursula's saying is true power um so yeah that's absolutely absolutely true and i I just thought that quick quote exemplified that i totally agree charles definitely well said and you know ogian is such an incredible mentor he doesn't get a ton of page time for sure but the he's one of those characters that just totally in his own humble way steals the spotlight when he is on the page by just having so much wisdom and one of the shining moments for me in a Wizard of Earthsea happens relatively early on where we have a young Ged watching Ogion just walk through the world, not even using all this tremendous power that he obviously possesses, just kind of living life in the woods and walking around and hiking. And and Ged is like, what are you doing? You have all this incredible power. Why aren't you using it? And uh, eventually it reaches this point where uh, Ged wants to go to magic school and Mm -hmm. learn more knowledge rather than hang out with Ogion and learn more wisdom. And we have this moment, which is just incredible mentorship, I think, from Ogion, Mm -hmm. where he says to Ged, when Ged's like, "Uh, can I go to to school potentially at Mm -hmm. Roke? He says, any craft you undertake to learn, you will learn, for your power is great. Greater even than your pride, I hope. I would keep you here with me, for what I have is what you lack, but I will not keep you against your will. And that is, you know, and 
I'm in the, you know, I'm getting my PhD in counseling psychology right now. And I, a big thing that we like to say in the field is gentle, but direct is a great way to try to be. And mm-hmm. I think that Ogion is someone who embodies that so well. He said what he said. He's like, you've got these talents. You've got a ton of pride. You've got a ton of desire. And it's not my place to tell you what to do with all of that. Even if I really believe I know what's best for you, it's still your choice to make. And right. I love that. That's so good. And it also parallels the conversation we've been having about power. Ogion is a very yes. wise man, a very powerful man who can do lots of great magic. And Ursula is saying power is restraint and responsibility. Ogion has it within his power to force Ged to stay and learn because I know what's right for you, Ged. You need to learn more wisdom before you you go out into school. And I'm going to make you stay and I'm going to teach you these lessons. But he knows enough to be like, this is something Ged has to figure out on his own. Mm -hmm. I have the power and the wisdom to know that he needs to go out and make these mistakes and confront these things about himself. And and that's just a theme you don't really see explored in fantasy too often, but it's so mature and it's so thoughtful that just what makes this book stand out so well. Um, I have another quote here from Ogion while we're in the Ogion phase. This is the conversation about naming. And Naming mm. is a big part of this book, obviously. <laughs> he's, many, trying, yes. <laughs> he's trying to learn the name of his shadow. And Ogion is trying to teach him... Because uh, uh, they're talking about plants, and then gets like, what's the use of this plant? And it's like, there is none that I know of. And so <laughs> Ged's like, okay, whatever. And then he, and the plant's called Fourfoil. It's a, when you know the Fourfoil in all its seasons, root and leaf and flower by sight and scent and seed, then you may learn its true name, knowing its being, which is more than its use. What, after all, is the use of you or of myself? Is Gaunt Mountain useful or the open sea? Ogion went on a half mile or so and said at last, to hear one must be silent. So that's just kind of the the cursor. That's the preamble. So I love this idea of like, 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 why are we asking what the use of this plant is? What is the use of us as, you know, it's like there's more to understanding than its usefulness, which is just a construct that we are are using and just to find a way to, 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 to interact with it, to make it work for us. But it, it's more than that. And just because something can't be used by us to for some kind of advantage... Uh, doesn't mean that it's not something that should be learned and appreciated and and stuff like that, which is just such a wholesome take. It is a wholesome take indeed, Charles. And I, you have me thinking about a quote that comes later on, which is, a rock is a good thing too, you know, he said, speaking less gravely. If the Isles of Earthsea were all made of diamond, we'd lead a hard life here. Enjoy illusions, lad, and let the rocks be rocks. And that let the rocks <laughs> be rocks line, it's so true to that idea of we might see something like a diamond and think, oh, this thing has use. We could wear it as jewelry. We could sell it for lots of money, all this kind of stuff. But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily better for all things. And like the perfect, you know, this equilibrium thing is a big theme in 
a wizard of Earthsea. And a lot of it is just about this acceptance of everything has its place. And rocks are not thought of something as particularly useful. But letting rocks just be rocks is is a sign of acceptance. And it's a sign of wisdom in that way. That's really well said. Yeah, I love those moments. It's like, what's wrong with just <laughs> letting rocks be rocks and l- living life as a happy person? You know, why are we trying to uh, turn them into something else and exert our will over them to what end? Is it any yeah. better or worse than just letting it be what it wants to be? And yeah, you can extend that too. It's like, why am I trying to change this person's mind? Or why am I trying to like work so hard to change this thing or mm-hmm. this person's opinion or whatever it is? It's like, why can't I just let people be who they are and, and, and let that go? You know, that's like a lesson that you could learn from this. And it's a valuable lesson. It's a hard one to learn. You know, it's like not everyone has, you don't have to make everyone agree with everything you say and do, you know? Yes, that is so true, Charles. It's uh, it's so important to the world in A Wizard of Earthsea, those ideas of letting things just be what they are in equilibrium, like we've been saying. And uh, there are a bunch of fantastic quotes on equilibrium, and I'll, I'll read one now. Uh, it's, but you must not change one thing, one pebble, one grain of sand until you know what good and evil will follow on that act. The world is in balance, in equilibrium. A wizard's power of changing and of summoning can shake the balance of the world. It is dangerous, that power. It is most perilous. It must follow knowledge and serve need. To light a candle is to cast a shadow. That's it. That one was what I was going to read mm-hmm. next. I love yep. that quote. And it's so true, this idea of the consequences of power. And I'll just briefly mention there was another quote right before that one. It's, uh, have you never thought how danger must surround power as shadow mm-hmm. does light? It's like whenever you use power, you have to recognize that you're exerting power into the world and that that's going to have consequences. And you have to know what you're doing in order to affect positive consequences and often when you know what you're doing you actually practice restraint you know that's the that's like mm-hmm. the trade-off which is uh, is you know the the point that ursula has been trying to make this whole time and it's these are beautiful quotes to illustrate that that they are it's yeah it's a a big thing too that i i really enjoy in this series is that acceptance piece and letting rocks be rocks another thing is about letting yourself just be yourself right that's kind of the the bigger lesson that it get i think they would say needs to learn here is to accept himself and his past and all that kind of stuff and i think that it shows up with these incredible lessons ones that i i wish i i had the chance to read when i was younger about vulnerability and <laughs> acceptance of Uh, yourself and things like that that's part of what makes this not just such an incredible it makes it both an incredible book for you and i charles as adults (laughs) and 
uh, for for children who have the chance to yeah. reflect on these things. And and Ursula wrote it for kind of that YA age before YA. Ursula was a might thing. say though, if a teacher or your parents had sat you down, or even a future self and forced you to read the book, you may not have been ready to receive the the words. <laughs> it's one of you have to be that like get and, and yes. go out into the world and get in the mindset where you're ready to accept them. That's fair. And, that and is then, fair. And so well, <laughs> <laughs> that's all fair. <laughs> and a thing I wanted to read, because I just, I love these moments of of just like this childlike, but I, I think we do it as adults too. It's just, uh, I'll read the quote, which is, uh, he says at one point, knowing he had behaved like a fool and blaming Jasper for it. And I just think that's such a true thing that happens constantly. Is like, we feel foolish. We feel like we did something wrong. And sometimes we even know that and it's so much easier to blame someone else than it is to blame yourself because if you yeah if you blame yourself you have to get in touch with the fact that like you are a person who like other people sometimes behaves like a fool and that's <laughs> right. that's a hard thing to accept it's and it's what started this whole you, journey yes. it's what Ged's unwillingness to accept is what created yes. the shadow that was chasing him For his sure. whole and it's not until he was learning to accept it about himself that he was able to be happy that's a great quote yeah i love that one while and, we're uh, talking we later oh go ahead yeah yeah, yeah. i was saying <laughs> we <we're-> later <laughs> we later get from jasper the line even foolery is dangerous in the hands of a fool and you know <laughs> that's, a, that's you know get did not take that one well <laughs> that's a serious that's some serious yes. talk and yeah. i love i love this rivalry and i learned so much from some of these quotes there's a line here where you know jasper and ged are like currently at their bitter rivalry and ged is like breaking rules to learn more spells in order to show up jasper and jasper's like uh Go on. I like this trap you're building for yourself. The more you Ugh. try to prove yourself my equal, the more you show yourself for what you are. Which wow, is, that's brutal. <laughs> it's this idea of like you're and- willing to go off and study relentlessly and break the rules and read forbidden books just to come yeah. out here to try and compete with me. Like think about all this will you're exerting and how it's more telling of who you are as a person than as me, who is just someone that um, inspires envy from you, you know, right. like granted he's a bit of a bully too, but oh, for this sure. idea of like, it's, it's Ged's desire to uh, upstage Jasper that causes the conflict. Like Jasper is being Jasper. He's being obnoxious and, uh, <laughs> and he's teasing and he's being a bully. And instead of Ged, like, accepting that and, and and trying to um work on it he's instead trying to exert power over the situation and upstage jasper and yes. jasper sees right through it and that's this line is so good that the more you try to prove yourself my equal the more you show yourself for what you are i love that. i was exa- i was about to ask you to reread that last part because <laughs> i was thinking that sh- it- it is only an insult of telling someone that they show themselves for who they are <laughs> yeah. when that person has not accepted it's who so they are brutal. <laughs> right yeah. it's like the only reason this hurts you so much ged is because you you don't accept yourself and me telling you that your the behaviors you engage in indicate who you are hurts your feelings 
that's because you you're just not there yet. And this this book is such a journey of self-acceptance for Ged and trying to overcome these things about you know, he's so insecure about being a a sheep <laughs> a sheep herder or goat herder. He was <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. not a sheep herder, he was a goat <laughs> That's herder. That's a different fantasy protagonist. Yes. That, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rand <laughs> from good old Wheel of Time. But Ged, he herded goats at the river R, not uh sheep at the two rivers. Right. Uh, you know. And Wizard Vertsey came came a while before too. And anyway, the point is the idea of being insulted by someone saying your behaviors indicate who you are is uh, is a bad sign for self-acceptance. <laughs> That's so true. And my next quote that I want to bring up is kind of, you know, as the result of this unwillingness to accept your flaws, Ged creates the shadow and he's yes. being reprimanded. Uh by his superiors. You have great power inborn in you, and you use that power wrongly to work a spell mm. over which you had no control, not knowing how the spell affects the balance of light and dark, yeah. life and death, good and evil. And you were moved to do this by pride and by hate. Yep. Is it any wonder the result was ruin? And I'm going to skip ahead. It is the mm-hmm. shadow of your arrogance, the shadow oh. of your ignorance, the shadow you cast has yes. a shadow, a name. Which, <laughs> right there. I legitimately just got chills, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> oh, man, dude. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, too, because the shadow's name is his own, too, which yes, you don't yes, know at this moment. So it's like. I didn't know when I first read it. Yeah, so now it's the it, it just shadow you me. cast has yes. a shadow and name, where it's like this whole theme of power we're coming back to of you used power that you thought you had, but because you didn't understand the consequence yes. and you didn't understand the forces with which you were working, you've created this problem and this problem is you essentially, not the not the force yes. that you use to achieve it or the result itself. It's you and your actions. And by Incredible. taking that step forward into the fantastic, it actually, the result is him. Yes. And so oh, you have to literally dear. accept and that to me is so brilliant this is absolutely absolutely (laughs) absolutely brilliant and and dare i call it brilliant foreshadowing yes she literally said (laughs) she literally says the shadow shadow you cast has a shadow a name uh, like pretty much it's saying like this is your shadow literal (laughs) yes it's the genius Brilliant. of yeah. Ursula K. Le Guin. Yes. Yeah. See, I knew uh, the so, ending when yeah. I went to read. This was my second time reading it. And I hadn't I hadn't remembered that. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I had to highlight it and, and share it. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's a hard one to follow, I'll say. That's <laughs> that's I think my favorite we've read so far. But I'll I'll go to what happens not long after that. So Nemerle, who is a he was a great older aged mage in this uh, in this academy who gave his life for ged after mm. ged uses that spell and ged wakes up and is like better i had died and one of the other uh, mages of the academy responds with who are you to judge that you for whom nemrele gave his life and it's this thing where Neverlay actually gave his life 
purposefully to save Ged because of how much potential Ged had. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, again, it's like, yeah, Ged, you're trying to be this person who says the right thing and does right. Like, I made a mistake. I should die. And it's like, well, you didn't die. And someone else made a choice for you not to die. And it says Nemerle basically went knowingly is part mm-hmm. of uh, when, when he goes. Uh, so it's like, again, even when Ged is trying to be selfless, it's a selflessness or yeah, it's a selflessness that comes with a lack of acceptance. And he's still being told, no, I know you're trying to say something nice here, but you still aren't getting it. Right. And what's interesting is that quote directly follows the one I read before. It's like, does the shadow have a name? And then get immediately says, I wish I had died. So mm-hmm. it's or better. I had died. Or better. Yeah. I had died. Yeah. Which uh, is interesting because it's like you would think that because he was the one that caused this horrible thing to come into existence and that resulted in a death of someone innocent, that that's yeah. the that's an appropriate punishment. Like, how many times are we willing to um, punish someone severely for something that they have done? But then there's this wisdom involved in, well, there's more to this situation than the simple result of your action. There's this force about you. There's this reason you're here. And we need to address this problem. You know, you need to address this problem directly instead of doling out punishment, which I always appreciated. Yeah, that's super well said, Charles. And we we get this point after that where Ged is struggling with the implications of his actions, and mm-hmm. he's starting to say things as a as a Ged said type line. <laughs> well, I have thought perhaps I may come to work with the Master and Tower to be one of those who seek among the books and the stars for lost names, and so so do no more harm if not much good. And that this is kind of this moment mm. where it gets like, I have messed up so badly that I just want to detach myself entirely from having mm. any power. And in that way, again, it's like, well, you can't, it's still denial. It's still yeah. not acceptance. It's like, that's so true. It, yeah. That's, that, that's great because we know ultimately what happens is Ged confronts his mm-hmm. own, issues and makes peace with them yeah but throughout he makes all the mistakes and this is another mistake to think that oh i tried to be powerful and i created a demon so i'll just never use magic again right and and it's like you said that's denial that's not the same thing as you know coming to terms and being at peace with yourself you're not at peace when you're denying yourself this part of you and that's like a beautiful metaphor just for someone in their own personal lives it's like you can't just uh, ignore things and expect yourself to feel good about that it's like sometimes the best way to 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 accept things is to confront them and acknowledge them and in yes. some cases embrace them and that's uh and in, in in this scene we're seeing just how ignoring them doesn't quite work and gets not quite fulfilled and he has to go back out it's a very interesting scene yes I I think Ursula would have been proud of of what you just said, Charles. I, <laughs> I, I don't know her. Or I never knew her, but uh, yeah, I, that's I beautifully stated. That. I think, and yeah, and it's it's just so true. It's so true. And yeah, what were you saying, Charles? 
I was just ready to. I wanted to change the theme, but if you had a part, yeah, yeah, one, yeah. Can I? Okay. Oh, can I? Mm-hmm. Uh, quick on it then. Uh, these moments immediately following that, there's a lot of great lines, and and one that sticks out to me is. He knew once more at last, after this long, bitter, wasted time, who he was and where he was, but where he must go in the years to come, that he could not see, and he feared to see it. Hmm. And it goes on to say, yet he was never so quick to learn as he had been, having learned a long, hard lesson from fear. And it goes back to those things that you're stating, Charles, about sometimes you have to face these horrible things that have already happened to you. And eventually, afterward, you can come to this point where you realize that that intense distress Mm -hmm. and that intense fear and all these really, really hard things to go through, those can teach you things that it's very difficult to learn from just like a happy, satisfied life. Sometimes you go through these things and, and oftentimes they're the things that if we face them and can get through them then and accept them, then they're the things that we grow the most from. And it's going to take Ged quite some time to, to truly come to that place, but you can see it happening even just a few pages after this incident. <laughs> That's so true. And it, it's so much fun to watch him learn some of these lessons. And yeah. another lesson, like I, I grabbed a quote that kind of combines power, which we've been talking about quite a bit, Mm -hmm. which another theme that gets covered in this book a lot, which is like equilibrium and nature. And this quote, Mm -hmm. I feel like addresses both. And it's get going from that time forth. He believed that the wise man is one who never sets himself apart from other living things. And then it goes on to say whether they have speech or not, And in later years, he strove long to learn what can be learned in silence from the eyes of animals, the flight of birds, the great slow gestures of trees. And he's kind of learning that lesson about being silent. He's kind of getting there on his own in this moment. But to me, the interesting line here is a wise man is one who never sets himself apart from other living things. It's so easy when you like how many problems in this world or in our personal lives have been started from thinking that like we're better than someone else or we know better than someone else or we know Mm. more than someone else or we're better than someone else. I mean, how often have have people in power thought that? And the reality is true power is even more difficult. It's transcending that and accepting like, even though I have learned so much and I'm capable of so many things, that doesn't make me better than other people. Like that's the next level of being powerful and wise and it's it's so true if if everyone thought this way the world would be a much more peaceful place it's this idea of like oh i'm stronger than you i'm more powerful than you i'm better than you which has governed a lot of humanity for a long time right it's not necessarily incorrect but that doesn't make it wise or right and it's this idea of having power and showing that restraint that it, it's such a beautiful thesis for this book, and I think it's 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 mm. said well in that quote. Mm. I I totally agree, and it that quote it comes from immediately after that moment where he's he's saved by the fact that his pet, when he was unconscious and kind of on the 
border of dying, his pet, who's just kind of this, uh, the, the phrase they use in the text is dumb, instinctive beast, basically, uh, is licking him because it wants to comfort him. The, the line is, it was only the dumb, instinctive wisdom of the beast who licks his hurt companion to comfort him. Uh, or, or earlier than that, it says he might have been lost for good. And it's just such a a telling quote for these kind of things around power and just being one with the universe that you're in and not trying to make drastic changes just because you have the opportunity and capability to do that. And it's, it's, coming a long way for Ged, who like one of the first things that he did when he came into his power in the beginning of the book was start calling birds to do his bidding and things like that because uh, he yeah i mean or way early on this is like page six at least in my kindle (laughs) thing it was at there's a quote at first all his pleasure in the art magic was childlike the power it gave him over bird and beast and the knowledge of these and indeed that pleasure stayed with him all his life so (laughs) he's still working through all that even later is this desire and pleasure that one can derive from controlling animals and he was doing quite a bit of that early on but then he starts to Mm. be able to come into touch with the fact that just letting them exist as beasts comes with an incredible wisdom in in itself that's yeah that's so well said it's one of my favorite themes in this book it it just keeps making me go back to like looking at moments in history and and like looking at great leaders or you know like violent leaders and being like, man, this is a lesson that's so hard to learn and practice in real life to show that kind of restraint when you have knowledge and power is so difficult, but society's better for it when we do, you know, it's this idea of acceptance yeah. and balance and, and, and understanding equilibrium. It's, it's, it's beautiful. For sure. Well, I have another quote here that kind of changes gears a little bit. And Let's do it. we were talking about acceptance, right? And we were talking mm-hmm. about like the the ways in which we confront our issues versus avoiding them versus denying them. And this quote I read here, it, it, it speaks to me in a way. And I'll get into it more after I read the quote. At last he sought this danger of his own will. And yeah. the nearer he came to it, the more sure he was that, for this time at least, for this hour perhaps before his death, he was free. Yeah. And I love this quote for so many reasons because it's like, look, um, there's good and bad in life, but it's most freeing and you're most at peace when you're working towards it, right? When you're confronting it, when you're, when you can, when you're, are dealing with it directly head on it's Hmm. it's liberating in a way and that's what i always took from this quote it's like sometimes just the act of working through something bad is is more in in line with life and equilibrium than trying to avoid bad things you know so it's like okay well this this 
bad thing or inconvenient thing happened. That's okay. It happens. Let's work through it. Let's confront it. And and you can take that to the higher level where get is of like if confronting recovery, a dragon, yeah, in that conf- moment. And, or a, a trauma or a fear yeah. or something. Like it, it, you can take it that much further. But I, I I've taken that at every stage of life. If like something like something bad happens it's like okay well, well, well i'm going to work through it now and then the best thing i can do is not avoid it or complain about it it's to actively uh work through it and uh, i just I, that quote yeah. speaks to me oh yeah and you brought such an interesting perspective to that quote because i highlight that quote too and and it it ends with this the shadow dared not follow him into a dragon's jaws which, I mean, speak of incredible prose, right? This shadow that's following yeah. him everywhere and causing him distress. The moment where he makes a decision that he believes is, I think, value-driven and the right thing to do, and he, it's deliberate. And then he's in the moment with it. And that's, how, that's the part, I think you added a, a new perspective that I'm kind of processing and reflecting on, <laughs> on too. But for me, it was this like, he he lives in the past so much with that intense mistake that he made and while he's in this intense moment of i'm going to go after a freaking dragon that (laughs) is the moment where he can it's just such a a real moment and a moment that you, you, you can't afford to be in the past during you have to be in the present that's when the shadow isn't with him it's when he is just there and doing a thing that he thinks is right. And he even gets this moment where he could ask for the shadow's name uh, there when he's facing that dragon. Mm-hmm. And and uh, there's, uh, there's this uh, from the dragon. I too can offer you safety for I know what can save you. I know what alone can save you. There's a horror uh, that follows you. I will tell you its name. We get Ged's heart leaped in him, and he clutched his staff, standing as still as the dragon stood. He fought a moment with sudden, startling hope. It was not his own life that he bargained for. One mastery and only one could he hold over the dragon. He set hope Mm. aside and did what he must do. That is not what I ask for Yeviad, Yevad, point the dragon's <laughs> name. So I, I, I didn't stick the landing so well there. But the <laughs> point is that he's in this moment and he's trying to do what's right for an entire, I think, village, if I'm remembering correctly, who this dragon is tormenting. And he has his opportunity to do the thing for himself. And instead, he does what I think is a really benevolent thing by saying, Oh, but this isn't about me. So yeah. no, <laughs> I know. And <laughs> that takes I a love that from, yeah. And what's, and those are the moments where the shadow isn't with him too, is mm-hmm. when he's just trying to be benevolent and do what's right and be in the moment. So I, I don't know the, the dragon moment, in most fantasy books, we've talked about this a lot, Charles, how it's yeah. like David Quinn was like, I'm not doing a giant war. I'm not doing like big epic battles with dragons. If there's a dragon, the dragon is going to teach us about Ged as a person and doing the right thing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's such a beautiful moment, Charles. It's a great moment. The stuff with the dragon is so great. Yeah. Well, um, I have... Uh, I see we're coming up on our time goal here. I have a quote from the very end that I think yeah. we can share last. I just want to make sure, see if you had any other quotes you wanted to for sure throw in here before I drop this well, one on here, everyone. 
here's what I'll say, Charles. I'm entirely open the to the idea because I could I, at least on my sheet we're only about halfway through on my I know, notes. I, I know. think not. Yeah, we're about halfway through on my notes. So I'm open to the idea of doing another one of these down the line. Yeah. If that takes <laughs> yeah, the pressure off of like wrapping up all of Ursula K. Le Guin's ridiculously deep themes in one quote at yeah. the end here. Yeah. But yes, uh, please read. <laughs> no, this yeah, doesn't, please read this yours doesn't and wrap let's maybe return. Up. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's hard this, to. <laughs> this quote doesn't wrap everything up, but I just thought it would be a good one to end the episode yeah. on. I would love to hear it. Let's go, Charles. All right. So this is the big climactic moment where Ged and the Shadow Mm -hmm. become one, right? So Ged names the Shadow his own name, and then uh, Ursula drops this line on us. And he began to see the truth, that Ged had neither lost nor won, but naming the Shadow of his death with his own name Mm. had made himself whole, a man who knowing his whole true self cannot be used or possessed by any power other than himself and whose life therefore is lived for life's sake and mm. never in the service of ruin or pain or hatred or the dark. Mm. I mean, it's such a Life lived quote. for life's sake. Yeah, it's such a great idea. Beautiful. <laughs> And, and we I mean, had read this on our episode discussion yeah. as well, and and, yeah. and and talked through it. But it's, it, you can't have a get says episode without throwing this line in the mix. Oh, yeah. it, it's it's so great. It's this idea that being at peace with yourself won't get you into trouble like Get had with Jeff, with uh, is his name Jasper Jasper at, uh, Jasper at the beginning. Jasper's yeah. from uh, The Witcher. <laughs> yeah, uh, isn't it Yaskir or something? Oh, yeah, something like the that. The dandelion character. <laughs> uh, yes. I I just love that. Life lived for life's sake. It's It brings home a lot of these. I know you said you can tie it all up, Charles. And, and you know, there's so much to explore. There's like, hey, as you can tie it all up. But she did an incredible job with that quote mm-hmm. of bringing home this, just this, theme of acceptance where all this time he's he's worried about all these things like his trauma his death his all just his mistakes and his pride and where he's got awry and all of that yeah you can hold that at the same time as just life life live for life's sake and living life for life's sake is like letting a rock be a rock yeah exactly exactly and i can't think of anything more ursula in terms of like her approach to fantasy than this idea that get had neither lost nor won which Mm. in her mind like i read the afterword of this and she's very much of the opinion of like look this is a fantasy story where there's no wars there's no like you know battles and blood and and all this stuff it's not about winning or about losing the whole point of what i'm trying to say Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that it's about life for life's sake and how wisdom and power and knowledge are how you can have those things and also just accept life for what it is, mm-hmm. which is such a unique take to what we're used to reading. And <laughs> from all the fantasy books that we've covered on this show, like conflict is fun and war is fun and battles and violence are all fun. But sometimes get this real introspective look of like That's philosophizing about life it yep. is, is so refreshing. And, and I think it's what brought us back to do this episode is just how much mm-hmm. we enjoyed being in this script, this literature, basically. And it, it's, yeah. it's just amazing. 
Yes. So well said, Charles. And <laughs> so, so well get. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. It's... And Ursula's left us a lot to think about now. Oh, always. <laughs> as we reflect on these on these yeah. quotes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't get chills every FTF episode, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I did this time, and it just, for me, is what makes this such an amazing book to talk about. Every time we talk about it, I learn more from Ursula and from you, Charles, of course. And, and we're, we're learning from each other, you know. Yeah. It's this ability to listen to one another that um, helps us grow to be silent and to listen that's what we're mm. going to do now i suppose as we wrap up the show uh, yes a- a- I'm... any oh go for it <laughs> well i was going to try to uh, drop that line of the oh god what was the yeah well to hear one must be silent charles and mm-hmm. i think i'm going to try to hear that sweet sweet outro music me as well. Let's see if we can. But we actually are totally not silent while it goes on. We start. <laughs> well, once it about... starts, but we'll, we'll yeah. be quiet and wait. We'll be quiet for it. a little bit. All right. Let, let, let's it's see a if long we can journey do... yeah. of learning to hear. It's us. not easy. It's not easy. It, it, it we takes start a some... podcast to talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. We're learning to hear. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, with that being said, let, let, let's try and practice some 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 silence here. Whew, we made it! All right, everybody. <laughs> what a moment! Thank you so what a moment indeed. Thank you so much for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, if you want to hear more, Ged says. If you want to discuss some of these themes with us the best place to do that is over on twitter at the ftf podcast with a number one at the end and mm-hmm. instagram as well at the ftf podcast yes. now dylan if they like what oh. they heard today and they want to support the show even further and they just so happen to be listening on apple podcasts what can they do toss five stars to our yes. podcast yes just find the friends talking fantasy page on that apple podcast app you're gonna want to click the friends talking fantasy page then scroll down past those episodes until you start seeing stars once you're seeing stars the optimal number of stars to click in order to support the show would be five of them if you have a little bit of extra time then writing a review is a super helpful way to support a show like ours but just listening is more than enough thank you for giving us the opportunity to continue to learn from ursula k Le Guin. yes just listening guys that is true wisdom just thank hearing you so much just hearing <laughs> yes. listening being silent we greatly appreciate it <laughs> thank you for listening and as always Go forth and conquer, friends.